0: You're listening to Live Free Creative, an intentional podcast with practical tips for living your life on purpose. I'm your host, Miranda Anderson, and I believe in creativity, adventure, curiosity, and the magic of small moments. I hope that every time you listen, you feel empowered and free to live the life that you want. Hello, hello, welcome to Live Free Creative Podcast. You are listening to episode number 236, Broaden and Build. I'm so excited. This is one of my favorite ideas that I learned the very first weekend of class in graduate school, and I sort of felt some of the truth of it intuitively, and I'm so excited to share the data and the research with you around this idea of thriving. Before I get there, I know you're, you're on pins and needles now knowing you're going to learn some positive psychology concepts, right? Before I get there, I want to start with a quick life lately. If you listen to Happy Class, then you know that I just finished my last weekend of school, Of class. So, I guess technically it's not my last weekend of school because I'm all the way finished the end of July. It was my last weekend of class, synchronous class time where I spent, you know, three days in a row, 10 hours a day in class with all of my classmates, which has been a big part of my life for the last year. So, it was really fun to finish up that last weekend with some of my favorite classmates, my small group. In Phoenix, Arizona, you can hear more about that transformative weekend that we had in Happy Class Week 28, which is available now. I feel like school has kind of been my life lately for a long time, and it was really fun to feel like one, one little piece of it has shut down. So while I still have finals, and that's kind of my big life lately right now, that I will be working on final papers and projects for the next two and a half weeks. And that even sounds bizarre to say that in two and a half weeks, I will go up to Pennsylvania to graduate from the University of Pennsylvania, walk across the stage, have my name read just like I did 15 years ago when I graduated with my bachelor's degree in nursing. I. Let's talk about some serious things. I found a dress about two months ago when I was just browsing in a local boutique that I love, and I found this dress, and I thought it was so cool and cute, and I really liked it, and it was a great price, so I bought it. It's darling, and then I was like, this is going to be my graduation dress. And then I've worn it a few times for other things. I wore it to a wedding, and I wore it to a a fun Valentine's Day tea that I did with Plum. I love a great dress that I can rewear on lots of occasions, and so I'm keeping it as like, that is going to be my graduation dress, probably. But there's also a few different events happening. There's, we have a garden party at Martin Seligman's house. We have the actual graduation walking across the stage. We have the second day graduation with the full university where Adina Menzel is the graduation speaker. She's our commencement keynote. So that will be really fun. Hopefully she'll sing for us. I'm kind of feeling like I need more than one dress. So I have a few different dresses in my current closet, but after being with my with my girlfriend classmates this last week I thought maybe I'll go browse a couple of my favorite consignments in town and see if there is another fun graduation dress that pops out at me that I could also go on to wear to other things I probably made a mistake of like wearing the dress I had deemed for graduation for a couple other events already because no it doesn't feel like a graduation <laughs> dress anymore so working through that myself I, again I love re-wearing things I love buying things secondhand I love the sustainability of that. I think it's wonderful to have a wardrobe that you can pick and choose from and shop my own closet. And it also might feel kind of fun to go go look for a dress. So we'll see. I, I kind of feel like I need three. And I have a lot of dresses. So I'll just I'm excited to see how that shakes out. Uh, Another life lately that's been really fun is that it is time to plant my garden and I got started a couple weekends ago for this year when I had my birthday in February my, my sisters and I have a birthday gift card exchange where we all go in on a big gift card for each one of us. So I knew that they, they you know, one of my sisters texted me and said, where would you like your gift card to this year? I spent some time thinking about it and said, I really would like it to a local nursery. It's called Sneeds. If you live in Richmond and you're not familiar with Sneeds Nursery, I love it so much. So they gave me a gift card to Sneeds and it was finally time to go spend it. I bought a few lavender bushes to put along my fence line. I bought some... Camellias. I planted gardenias in my front last year and they didn't survive the winter. I think it was kind of a harsh winter, but also I I don't really know and one of the nursery people said that gardenias tend to be a little finicky. So I bought camellias which I know do really well here in Richmond because I see them all over the place. I'm excited to watch those grow and then I also started putting actual vegetables in my raised beds. I normally like to sow seeds but I just didn't have the capacity. I was, you know, had too many things in the air this January, February when I normally would have started like sowing winter seeds. So I'm buying seedlings and I already put in some indeterminate tomatoes to climb over my beautiful iron arch. I planted some marigolds and some lettuce, butter lettuce and kale. And I was waiting. I need to go back now this week probably because the pepper is an eggplant. I love planting shishito peppers. The plants don't get too big and they are so productive. They just... They, you can get like hundreds of little shishito peppers from one plant. A shishito pepper is kind of like, tastes like a mix between a jalapeno and a bell pepper. So it has a little more bite than a traditional bell pepper, but not as spicy as a jalapeno. And they're small, jalapeno-sized. So they're really great for like roasting or putting on salads or stuffing and stuff, um, mixing them together with other things. I love the shishitos. I'm excited to put those in and grab all of the other... Plants that I want in my vegetable and flower garden. I've checked on my rose bushes. I actually bought some tomato cages for my rose bushes. I have visions of having a little rose garden, and I have six beautiful rose bushes. They're very small at this point, which is why I felt I needed the tomato cages, because my dogs sort of run wild in the backyard. And if they get, especially because we have two of them and they're very energetic, if they get in sort of a race mode they'll just blaze through the the garden so I think the cages will help with that. My blackberries are already starting to leaf out and have a couple little you know bunches of little clusters of fruit on the ends. I think it's going to be a bumper garden year and I'm thrilled about that. I also just got my summer haircut. I've had the same general haircut for about 10 years since Well, maybe in eight years. When Plum was born I had very long hair and I dyed it platinum and I I sort of I did that look, that kind of white, grey, platinum long hair look for about a year. And it was so much maintenance and it also really destroyed my hair. So I cut it chin length and and bangs. Mostly the bangs because my hair was so broken that it just made sense. A lot of it was, you know, kind of bane length anyway. So I have this, you know, bob with a fringe that I've had since 2014 I guess and it gets a little bit longer like I noticed my author photo in the back of my book my hair is about shoulder length where it's mostly around chin length but for the summer I just got it cut up to my ears so it's just a little French bob with my you know, eyebrow length, fringe, and my hair is about about my ears. And I like the length anywhere between my ears and sort of mid-neck. When it starts to hit my shoulders and flip, that's my indication that it's time to cut. So I'm excited about my new haircut. And then I've got what feels like big news that is not big news, but Dave thought it was hilarious. I took my son to the eye doctor. He, at school, has done a couple of vision tests that have come back iffy where they're like, ah, oh, it's a little off. So I took him to the eye doctor to see if he needed a prescription for glasses. Dave has worn glasses for a very long time. I never have. I've always prided myself on my good vision. I made an appointment for myself along with my son just so, because I don't know the last time I had an eye appointment. I figured it's something that maybe people do, even who have good vision. And when we left the ophthalmologist, I had a prescription for glasses, and and my son did not. My very first prescription, baby girl's first eyeglasses. I haven't actually bought the glasses yet, and it's for far away distance the ophthalmologist said my distance is is just a little bit like starting to get a little squishy and that i may feel more comfortable driving and at night especially and if i go somewhere like to a game or to the theater something that i need to see or it would be helpful to see further away more clearly that i could use this little baby prescription so i am excited to get you know baby's first pair of glasses at 40 years old the other thing that she said was interesting was that because it's my distance that's starting to go, that my I probably won't need readers for a long time. She said most people, like 95% of people need readers at some point as they get older. But people like me whose distance vision sort of like fades or or overcorrects means that my close-up vision will stay good for longer which means that I'll need these distance glasses but I won't need readers for a while so there's an update on getting older and glasses and finals and my garden and my haircut and all things going on in my life lately that feel even the tiniest bit noteworthy support for today's episode comes from iHerb iHerb offers the best curated selection of wellness products at the best possible value across a variety of categories. This is like a superstore for your health products. From supplements to nutrition to beauty and mama baby, ingredients really matter. And iHerb cares about what's inside every bottle that makes up your routine. It's really great on the website, which has so many products that you can search by category, brand, or the type of help that you need, whether you're looking for skincare or beauty or makeup or kids' health. And then you can further narrow down your search by ratings, price, diet, like whether you want something that's all natural or vegan. I was excited to see so many of my favorite brands all in one place. It's like a superstore for your health and beauty products. My most recent order included these three favorite products. One is the Welida Skin Food Original Cream. One of my best friends introduced me to this, and it is the ultimate moisturizer for your hands, elbows, knees, anywhere that gets a little bit dry, especially in the summer where I'm working in the garden a lot. This Welda Skin Food is phenomenal. I added that to my cart along with my very favorite hemp's brand herbal body moisturizer in the sweet pineapple and honey melon scent it smells like a tropical vacation and is 17 ounces it's like the big bottle with the pump top which makes it so easy i just leave it on my bathroom counter for after a shower or after i wash my hands that i have easy access to this delicious all over body lotion it's been one of my favorite products for years and i loved the ease of adding it to my cart on iherb Also, as we were heading into summer, I added some all-terrain Kids Herbal Armor insect repellent to the cart. This is a natural essential oils-based insect repellent that actually works. I think it works better than some of the more commercial, more synthetic repellents out there, and I feel really good about spraying it all over myself and my kids in the summertime. For your ease, I'm going to share these products I mentioned, along with a couple other of my favorites that I add to my cart at iHerb in the show notes today. It's time to get your health in check with iHerb. As a listener, you get 22% off of your first order when you use the code livefree at iHerb.com. That's 22% off your first order at iherb.com. Promo code livefree. Choose iHerb because wellness matters. Thank you so much for your support of the companies that make this show possible. I love partnering with brands that align with my values and where I really want to recommend these things and say, hey, check it out. So I appreciate your supporting the brands that support this show. Let's dive into talking about Broaden and Build. It's so interesting now having been part of this graduate program for the last almost year. Broaden and Build is foundational to positive psychology. Broaden and Build is a theory of positive emotion that was first introduced in 1998 by Barbara Fredrickson. Barbara is a researcher and a professor at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And this work has been one of the most highly cited theories, articles, foundations of positive psychology ever. Now let me back up for a minute. Most of you have probably heard of the idea of our survival brain, right? This actually – the idea that we have like a lizard brain inside of us that reacts when we're in fear. It's like our fight or flight response. It's the innate sense of protection that we need in order to escape a tiger attacking or in order to – now in our modern world, we don't have tigers attacking us very often. I mean hopefully. And so – Your brain does the same type of thing in that environment, though. We hear about the fight-or-flight response and this, our our neurological response to fear um, that closes down our blood vessels, narrows our vision, raises our heart rate, um, sort of shuts down our digestive system, and enables us, this this fight-or-flight survival response is responsible for, what a lot of people would say are survival. It's responsible for our our ability to escape things that are difficult. I've heard about this my whole life. In fact, i there are a few brain myths that were debunked in a neuroscience class that I'm in right now about this idea, well, specifically about the idea that our brain, has like our lizard brain inside and then the next layer is like a little bit more advanced and then the final later layer is a little more advanced I don't know if you've heard of that that it's called the triune brain and there's a great book called seven and a half lessons about the brain that debunks some of the ways we've been talking about the brain even in fact I'm gonna maybe make some people angry with this one but the book also debunks the idea of being right brained or left brained the, it talks about how for creativity and for more black and white thinking, we use our whole brain. We use our whole brain most of the time. And so even though you can find on like an MRI specific areas that light up a little bit more or where, you know, if one part of your brain gets damaged, certain specific things on your body will be affected. The idea that our, that someone is fully thinking with their right brain or their left brain or that that inclines them toward these specific abilities was debunked. So anyway, if you want to read more about that, that's in the book. I'll link it in the show notes, seven and a half lessons about the brain. What I want to talk about today though is this survival response. I've heard for my whole life and and a lot in adulthood and a lot in parenting even that our our brains are wired for this type of survival that is brought on us by fear, by negative emotion, by anxiety, by worry that our ability to survive depends on this response that is a positive response to negative stimuli. It's sort of our reaction. And that's great. I mean, it is, it's wonderful that we have that, that we have the ability to flee, that we have the ability to fight, that our body will naturally go through those processes. But what I learned in my first weekend of class that I had never known before is that our brains have a similar and opposite response for thriving. This is the broaden and build theory. This is something that I had never heard of before. Barbara Fredrickson set out to answer the question, what is the evolutionary purpose of positive emotion? We know the evolutionary purpose of negative emotion, like worry, anxiety, and fear. That's that survival response. When we are faced with a tiger attacking i'm just going to go with the tiger on this one okay when we're faced with a tiger approaching our brains recognize and our body recognizes its need to shut down and focus and get away but how do our positive emotions have a natural evolutionary purpose what is the point of feeling happy what is the point of feeling hope what, and these maybe seem like dumb questions if you're thinking like, well, of course, everyone likes to feel happy. But specifically, evolutionarily, physiologically, what is the benefit of positive emotion? Have you ever considered that? I had never thought of what is the equal and opposite response to positive emotion. We know what happens with fight or flight, what happens in the face of positive emotion? Broaden and build. Something that is so awesome to me, that just like blows my mind is that it is almost truly an an equal and opposite response. The broaden and build theory includes four steps. The first is that we have an experience of a positive emotion. There are a lot of different emotions, positive and negative. Some people may say, especially like in a world of life coaching, maybe you've heard there's no positive and negative. They're all just emotion and they're all neutral. From a scientific standpoint, they do sort of categorize them as positive and negative based on what type of action response they invite in our physiology. In 2013, Barbara Fredrickson outlined what she calls the 10 most important positive emotions and I'm gonna name them for you. These are what Barbara Fredrickson would say are the most important. Joy, gratitude, serenity, interest, hope, pride, amusement, inspiration, awe, and love. So those are cool, you can think of those, I mean, and more positive emotions as the first step of the broaden and build theory, that we are faced with a a positive emotion. So we experience a positive emotion. The next step is the broadening of thoughts and behaviors. So in direct contrast to a negative emotion response where we start to shut down and focus, when we experience a positive emotion, we have a broadening of thoughts and behaviors. We become more open to ideas and more curious. We explore a few different ways of thinking. Our actual sight, like our line of sight, our peripheral vision opens up. So physiologically, we can see more than before. And then step three is that we're able to build personal resources through trying different things. This is where people start to become innovative. Positive emotions are what led to innovation, what have led to, you know, the, 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 Furthering and promotion of well-being of humanity through arts and sciences and discovery and curiosity. If we had just been in survival in response to negative emotion, we would still be fighting tigers. It has been positive emotion that has broadened our thoughts and behaviors, built personal resources, and then number four or step four, transformed the self by increasing health, well-being and survival. What a beautiful sigh of relief that our brains and bodies are not just designed to respond to fear and worry and negative emotion, but that we are also genetically predisposed to benefit from positive emotion, which has led throughout history to innovation, transformation, change, improvement, progress, and flourishing. I want to take a minute to share with you another one of today's episode sponsors. This episode is supported by Song Finch, which I was thrilled about because Dave has a birthday coming up this week, and I knew that it would be the perfect gift. With Songfinch, you can create a personalized song that's radio quality and filled with details about your own life and story. The process is really slick. You log on, share a few key details about your life, relationships, favorite memories, and then choose the style of music from acoustic pop to country to folk. You can select a specific artist and listen to like a little clip of them. And just like that, you'll receive a finished song within a week. I wanted to narrow in on one specific moment from our love story when we were dating and we went camping. and I set up this circle to give Dave a trail name, which is something that I had received working as a wilderness counselor years earlier. The trail name I was given was Morning River. I gave Dave the trail name Swaying Oak. After I gave him his trail name, we were trying to keep it together and you know, be serious even though we were both laughing. And he said, what do I do now? And I said, well, now you write a haiku. And I was totally joking, but Dave closed his eyes and opened them a few seconds later and said this, what more can I say? Without the Morning River, the oak cannot sway. I included that poem with the story, and Paige Hargrove, our artist, turned it into the chorus of the song, which I want to share with you right now so you can get a feel for the incredible quality of Song Finch's personalized music. And even though the river runs free, I am still running to you. I'm always running to you rooted in strong standing tree the swaying oak who bends with my changing moves what more can I say without the morning river the oak cannot sway I knew it would be good, but I'm absolutely floored by the quality and the sentimentality and treasure that Songfinch was able to create based on my story. Imagine that for your relationships, for Mother's Day, a retirement, a birthday, an anniversary. The cost for a personalized song is only $199, which blows me away. Let me tell you, it's more than worth every penny. And for being a listener today and Songfinch supporting the show, I have an exclusive code for you to receive $20 off a custom song. You have to use it before May 14th, which is Mother's Day. And even if you don't have something coming up in this next two weeks, you could have the song created and pocket it for Christmas or for an anniversary or for a birthday coming up later in the year. The code is LIVE FREE and that gets you $20 off of your custom Songfinch song. Don't miss out on this chance to give someone, especially your mom or your husband or your partner, the gift of a custom song. Visit songfinch.com and use code LIVEFREE for your $20 discount before May 14th. The ad spot is over, but I'm just going to take a second to gush a little bit more about how incredible this process was with the creation of a custom song it feels like the most special gift music has this ability to invite emotion that maybe isn't easily accessed through other means and when you add that to a relationship to a specific memory or experience I want to have a song written for every one of my relationships, for my mom, for my dad, for my sisters, for my friends. I think that it's just a really, really cool use of these beautiful independent artists' creativity. Such positive emotion, such joy. And as I've been talking about, positive emotion is so powerful and evolutionarily, historically, just as important to our development as our ability to survive i think that's a main point i want to drive home with the theory of broaden and build we hear so so much about our survival instinct about the way that we operate in fight or flight that we our nervous systems go into overdrive when we need to get away or when we need to Access power that we otherwise might not access in order to, you know, run or flee or fight or, you know, whatever the case may be in response to negative events, circumstances, and emotions. That's all great and true and real. And also, equally as important to our lives and our development and our relationships is our ability to thrive. We have survival instinct and we have thriving instinct are in response to positive emotion our body knows how to widen our sights engage in imagination build creativity enhance and deepen relationships seek for things that we didn't like solutions to problems that we didn't have access to before so just like I hear stories sometimes about how in danger a mother could like Cruise through a burning building to rescue her child, or like lift up a car to save someone. That powerful survival instinct is equally proportioned by our powerful thriving instinct that when we feel awe, inspiration, kindness, that we can access solutions, that we can imagine futures. That we can build relationships and resources in our lives in ways that otherwise we aren't able to. Isn't this good news? Isn't it amazing news that we have a survival instinct and that we also have a thriving instinct? That it's natural and evolutionarily important for our minds and bodies to have a broadening upward spiral resource gathering reaction to positive emotion? A key element of the broaden and build theory is that positive emotions are important for more than just emotion. I think sometimes we get caught up thinking that happiness or joy or, you know, excitement, awe, contentment, that those things are complacent emotions, that they don't lead to anything except for just a, a feeling. What Barbara Fredrickson's research shows us is that positive emotions are really critical to our development. The more positive e- emotions we experience, the wider the range of thought, action, behaviors we have. We're more flexible, we're more creative, we're more innovative, Broadened behaviors help us build rich work-related knowledge and skills, abilities, and resources. It's not just fluff. And in fact, sometimes when we notice ourselves going into or moving with a survival instinct, but we aren't actually being chased by a tiger, where we, we notice that we are narrowing our vision, we're feeling clenched up and tightened up and acting out of a fear response, we can remember that instead of the downward negative spiral or the narrowing of a funnel that happens with a survival instinct, because we, you know, especially if you are not actually in physical danger, if you don't actually need to drop everything and run, by taking a deep breath and knowing remembering this broaden and build theory you can flip that funnel upside down so instead of narrowing everything it starts to open everything and you're you can use looking for the positive this is not erasing or you know the toxic positivity of not acknowledging the circumstance that may be difficult. It's utilizing your thriving instinct in a solutions-focused way. You can draw upon your resources, your support group, your intellectual and cognitive and emotional resources. You can consciously open to possibility, open yourself to imagining solutions that you that you don't see obviously placed in front of you. Understanding that there is such a thing called the broaden and build theory, where positive emotions are translated into real life creative action, can give you tools for optimism and for resilience and for kindness and relationship building that you didn't know were possible. The next time you feel like you're not doing the work, if you feel enjoyment or happiness or interest or gratitude or serenity, if you are chronically in a state of negative emotion, thinking that that is the way that you're going to learn and grow, question that. Because this theory shows us through research, through you know, evidence-based projects and peer-reviewed papers that amusement and hope and play and cheerfulness and awe and inspiration and surprise and enthusiasm lead to progress, lead to innovation, lead to resilience and accomplishment in a way that negative emotions cannot do. Life is going to give us both. We need our survival instinct. We also need this thriving instinct. It's real and present, and somehow we just don't talk about it. And I think I had instinctually understood the importance of positivity in general in my life, but it wasn't until I read Barbara Fredrickson's work and had her come lecture my class and was able to ask questions and hear from her directly around the real life implications and applications of positive emotion building and broadening our lives, that this really came home for me. When I asked Barbara Fredrickson about the application of the broaden and build theory, what she said to me was, to prioritize positive emotion. That something that we know is that positive emotion builds resilience, builds creativity, builds relationships in a way that negative emotion doesn't. And so simply by acknowledging that, by understanding that, if we prioritize positive emotions in our life, prioritize positivity, prioritize kindness, prioritize moments of awe and inspiration that we will put ourselves on a pathway for broadening and building. Stay open. Stay kind. Make place in your life for joy. Make place in your life for thriving. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. The reference to some of Barbara's articles will be in the show notes. And I can't wait to chat with you again next week.